We just pray as we just look at God's word together for a few moments this morning. Father God, we do just want to ask for, Lord, just your word to speak into our hearts this morning. And Lord, you know each one of us, you know the things we're going through, Father God. And you know that whether, um, what, where they are, what stage they are, the effect they're having on us, Father God. And, and Lord, maybe some people here are going through things that have gone on for many, many years. And Lord, we pray that this morning you might break them free from that. But Lord, that what we say now will be a, a blessing and a, a challenge and encouragement lord and for those who are yet to go through things father god that we might hide your word in our hearts so that when we too go through difficult moments we can trust in your word and your word alone father god may your spirit work lord in these next few moments father lord according to your glory according to your majesty according to your will and your will alone may your words be heard i pray in jesus name amen i want to tell you a story you may recognize a man on the screen um let me know if you do recognize him some of you guiltily letting us know how often you go to kentucky fried chicken <laughs> shame on you um it's overpriced chicken but there we are um hang on sorry um now colonel sanders colonel h sanders is his name in fact it's colonel harlan sanders i don't know if he's a relative of the harlan family is he a relative no it's worth finding out because there might be some money in there um for you um sorry i'm trying to find romans sorry quickly hang on sorry there we are. Um, so Colonel Harlan Sanders uh, was fired from a variety of jobs throughout his career before he first started cooking chicken in his roadside shell st- service station in 1930 when he was 40 years old during the Great Depression. His gas station didn't actually have a restaurant, and so Colonel Sanders served diners in his attached personal living quarters. Over the next 10 years, he perfected his secret recipe, Uh, and his pressure fryer cooking method for his famous fried chicken and moved on to bigger and better locations. His chicken was even praised by a famous food critic at the time, Duncan Haynes. However, as the interstate came through the Kentucky town where the Colonel's restaurant was located in the 50s, it took away an important important road traffic. And Colonel, the Colonel, as he's now known, was forced to close his business and retire, essentially broke, or skint for the English, sorry, no money, poor, Um, worried about how he was going to survive off his meagre $105 monthly pension check. He set out to find restaurants who would franchise his secret recipe, and so all he wanted was one nickel per piece of chicken sold. He drove round in his car, sleeping in it from time to time, was rejected 1,000 times before finally finding his first franchise partner and the rest is glorious fat-filled history i rarely go (laughs) i'm a mcdonald's man i'm afraid this morning i want to think about perseverance just for a few moments the idea of sticking at it the idea of staying upright when the world is trying to pull you down because that's what life is like isn't it for a lot of us you go through life and suddenly the road ahead feels like treacle Rather than an ice rink, we're kind of gliding along. And sometimes you feel like the hands around you are dragging you downwards when all you want to do is stay on your feet and go on and carry on. And this morning, we want to just think about perseverance, that idea of just keeping on uh, in whatever you're going through. Because undoubtedly, some of you here this morning will be on the verge of giving up. Undoubtedly, some people in this room will be thinking, can I do another week or another day of this? It might be a medical condition. It might be something that you're over and over in your mind. It might be something from the past. 
And some of you will be thinking, well, I could just take this easy route out rather than stick at it. I've done it for so long, it's too difficult. Perseverance, a quote that I came across this week, says that perseverance in doing something, I'm sorry, perseverance is persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Perseverance is that idea that I really want to do this thing, I want to, I want to achieve this, I want to build that, I want to get there, and then when it, the going gets tough, you just carry on going. How many people, when the going gets tough, just think, oh, it's too much like hard work and I'm just going to settle for less? I think they're probably the most disappointed people in life when they settle for less, if they have a great vision for something. Bill Hybels at Willow Creek uh, says in one of his talks years ago that he's convinced that God gives visions upon vision upon vision to God's people, uh, thousands, millions of them, visions to do great works for the kingdom of God. And he's convinced that the reason uh, they don't happen is that people don't have that oomph, that drive, that perseverance to see it through. And he just thinks how many uh, visions God has placed on people's hearts that don't ever get actioned because people haven't quite got that, that persistence to see it through when the going gets tough. Perseverance, I believe, is the greatest quality or one of the greatest qualities in all human beings. That idea of getting through and doing well regardless of what you face. Another quote I read uh, this week says, Nothing um, in this world can take the place of perseverance. Talent will not. Genius, education, all things that we understandably praise. They say the phrase, press on or keep going, has solved and will always solve the problems of the human race. I thought that was a good quote. And then famously, another quote, uh, somebody once said, success is 2% inspiration and 98% perspiration. And uh, and that must go up to 150% in the sun, sunshine. But but we mustn't undermine that 2% inspiration because without creativity and inspiration, you work for nothing. So you do need that 2%. But actually, when you have that vision, that idea that this is what I'm going to do, this this could be brilliant. You've got to just sling your whole being behind it to make it happen. If you think about it nowadays, uh, we don't always tend to teach that idea of keep going, uh, particularly to those who are younger, I think. Uh, I don't want to caricature them too, not m- too much. Millennials get a, too much of a, a bash on the head as it is, and that's not probably fair. But a lot of people who are slightly older worry that uh, there are some uh, who have grown up in a culture where it feels like promotions and success and privileges somehow are right that you're born with, rather than something you earn and fight for. Um, and I'm not caricaturing any age group there. But actually, it's when you persevere in life, isn't it, that the best things happen. For many people, they give up when the going gets tough, but those who persevere almost always reach the end. I took part in a wheelbarrow race yesterday. The less said about that, the better. Um, <laughs> You know you wait your entire life. I'm 40 years old. I've waited my entire life to race in wheelbarrow races. I've done two in about two weeks, I think it is. And uh, so if I, if I sort of bend forward like that, that's because, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, but as I hurtled down the, the garden uh, where we were and uh, turned left uh, around sort of the bush and up back where it was, there, there were no spectators, uh, I had this urge to just stop. And if it wasn't the fact there was a human being in it and I didn't want that person to think I was suggesting that they were too heavy to push, uh, I carried on. I, per- I persisted and I persevered. And actually, you get to the end. People that give up don't get to the end of anything. People that persevere reach the end more often than not. People that persevere have that feeling of fulfillment because they've actually achieved something, even if it's not fully what they intended. They've achieved some of it. They've given it a go. Those who persevere grow 
They grow uh, in terms of their characteristics. And actually, when you persevere, you get the chance to inspire other people. Charles Spurgeon said, um, don't forget, wait, I read a bit before, that the most inspiring animal on the ark would be the snail. I know it's not an animal. By perseverance, Charles Spurgeon said, the snail reached the ark. No, I thought that was funnier. Never mind. That's even in a 1992 PowerPoint as well. Should I have done the uh, sound effect that go with it? No. And you do it again. I don't think they saw it. Press it twice and then uh, press it once. I really apologise for the projectionist this morning. There we go. <laughs> Never mind. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Whoever clapped. Right, anyway, there we are. But Charles Spurgeon said, by persistence, the snail reached the ark. And actually, uh, there's a lesson there, isn't there? And I know perhaps the snail didn't go to the ark, but actually, um, it's not just the roaring lion that we should be celebrating. It's the one that has to work the hardest to do something we should celebrate as well. And I wonder when when you think of people that persevere, I wonder if you have uh, this kind of image in your mind. These are the Brownlee brothers. And uh, I don't know who they are, either one, they look the same, both look the same to me. But the one on the right was doing a marathon, or, or I think, or a long race anyway. And uh, just as he got the end, he started doing that, didn't he? Because um, he, he'd run out of energy, and he absolutely had it, and he was determined to reach the finish. And of course, his brother came and helped him. But when most people think of perseverance, they kind of think of his face, don't they? A person that's mentally and physically exhausted on every single level. And I don't know about you, but when I look at that, I think, no wonder people don't persevere. That's what you look like. If that's how much it hurts, I'm not sure I want to persevere. It, looks like too, it does look like too much like hard work. I don't do marathons, and I've never looked, had that face pulled in my entire life. However, I think that could be incorrect. Because I think, actually, I wonder if when we persevere, especially, particularly in the things of God, I wonder, rather than being moments of utter exhaustion, could they not be times of growth? Times of great healing, times of great transformation of ourselves, times where we inspire whole generations of people, where because we stand on the strength and the goodness of God. I'm going to play you a video in a second of a guy called Nick Wojcic, who some of you will know. And, uh, and you're going to see why I suggest to you that actually perseverance can be a good thing, a positive thing. Every once in a while, you meet people who overcome tremendous obstacles to reach their goals. There are other times, rarer still, when you meet a person who carries joy in spite of ongoing suffering. These are people you don't forget easily. But there is a person who I've come to know recently that does both of these things quite remarkably. His story is one of perseverance and hope, and his name is Nick Vojcic. Born in 1982 in Brisbane, Australia, Nick was born without arms or legs. Although his body was different, his parents realized that his mind and spirit were just as sharp and alive as any other young boy. Even though Nick has no limbs, he has touched thousands in ways deeper than a hand ever could. He himself is a living witness to not giving up when life brings the unexpected. Nick has faced the obstacles that living without limbs brings head-on, participating in activities that many would say are impossible for a man with his limitations. Nick has not only learned to do many of the everyday things, he has worked hard to enjoy the recreational side of life as well. While Nick's physical feats are impressive, it is his passion for encouraging others that is most remarkable.
Nick's story is far from over, but it could have been much different. His faith has given him the perseverance to get up, even if he had to use something besides hands to get him there. anyone's got a reason to give up, it'd be Nick Vujicic. Um, what that video doesn't tell you, what it doesn't show uh, adequately at all, um, is the sheer volume of struggle that poor man had when he was young, and how depressed he was, how much he had to fight uh, just to get through every single day. And what it doesn't tell you either very well, but his website does, is about his faith in Jesus Christ. He's a Christian. He loves Jesus. His passion is to tell people the gospel. And he has probably brought more people to Christ than any of us have, because he has persevered in the strength of God. And he's seen and embodied the grace of our King. He is a living example of the power of perseverance and the importance of keeping on with Jesus even when things are tough. I want to demonstrate to you the power of perseverance this morning. Um, It's not often I bring whipping cream to church. Don't panic. I emailed about, texted about 17 people this morning before church saying, have you got any whipping cream? Turns out hardly anyone here has whipping cream at home. Um, so, um, what we're going to do, just for the rest of this talk, and um, I know you're thinking what we're doing, but that's all right. Sorry about that. So, we're going to demonstrate the importance of perseverance. Um, but we're going to do it together. Now, what, what, as I continue to speak, um, I want you to shake this jar. Now, when I say shake this jar, I don't mean like that. That's rubbish. I don't even mean like that. You know, it's not a, what do you call it? Oh, like that. That's the, Maybe like this. Perhaps like this. <laughs> so you could do it like that. So you're really sweating. I like that. So make sure the lid doesn't come off. Don't undo it and give it to the person next to you because that's unfair. I'm not very Christian of you, frankly. So we're going to do this. In fact, I'll tell you what. Here's the new thing. Two thumbs over the top like that. Don't let go of it because we might break one of our wonderful windows. Um, I've been here since 1862. So like this. And uh, we'll start with Michael. And after about a minute, if you get a bit tired, pass it on to the next person. Try to do it quietly. And then uh, and I'll have it back in about 10 minutes. Yeah? Everyone with me? Everyone up for it? I don't mind if you're not. We still, still do it anyway because I'll look foolish. So, right, ready, Michael? There we are. So, just give that a proper shake. Really, really go for it. When you've, when you've had enough, there's no shame if you can only shake it for 30 seconds. There is shame if you can only do five seconds. And then, when you're a bit tired, pass it to the next person and then they'll pass it down and, and I'll call it back for a minute. So, this is a. Uh, um, an object lesson about the importance and the power of perseverance. Talking about persevering. So maybe just, yeah, maybe pass it on, Michael. Get it, let's get it around. So it's got a bit of that high intensity the whole time. Otherwise, this is a waste of time. Okay, never mind. Um, so, biblically, we are called to be a people of perseverance. God's people are called to stand firm, to stand up, to go forward. You think of all the uh, important events biblically. You've got nation, the nation of Israel walking across a desert to get to the promised land. You've got Abraham leaving his home life. Hold on, is he? And, uh, and just 
marching to a place he didn't know, persevering when they didn't know where they were going, when they weren't sure what was going to go through, persevering when they were attacked. You've got God's people standing up through trial, injury, persecution. But that idea of persevering in the things of God is right there in the pages of our Bibles and always will be. And it's very powerful to read. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, says this. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God. That chapter in chapter 6 is all about being armed spiritually, not practically, but spiritually, the shield of faith, the helmet of righteousness, uh, salvation, sorry, being covered in the armor of God so you can stand against the evil things of the devil. And he says in verse 13 of chapter 6, therefore, put on the full armor of God, So that when the day of evil comes, you see the early church and the church has always believed that there will be evil days, difficult days. God's people will sometimes struggle. The world will be in a dark place. When the day of evil comes, put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand and then keep standing. That message of perseverance is right there. And it's the thread that idea of Christians standing firm in their faith and in truth and under trials runs from the very start of the Bible to the very end. And actually, when you look across the greats of church history, men and women and even children, are they not often people that have refused to give in when the going has got tough? If you remember um, the story of Leah, free Leah, we uh, raised some money as a church, some people donated, and uh, thank you for that. And she has been kidnapped by Boko Haram, her and a whole load of young girls. And they were faced with the, the, the decision, convert to Islam and be set free or remain a captive. All the other girls did and have been released. She is the last one. 150 days, I believe, she's been there now. 150 days, she's 12. 12 years old, sorry, 14 years old. That's the age of Jack, my son. 14. I can't imagine how he would feel uh, 150 days um, captured by uh, those terrible people and the threat of what they might do to her. And actually, she has stood firm. She has persevered in her faith. And that is an object lesson for all of us, isn't it? So what we call to persevere, and we call to persevere in much. Uh, Matthew 24, verse 11 to 14. Jesus says, talking about the end of all things, he says, many false prophets will appear, this is towards the end of history, and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. We can expect that at some point. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will will come. We're called as Christians to persevere through persecution. That there will come a day and there may come points in our lives where people dislike what we believe, hate us even for what we believe, and we're called to be a people that stand firm even if people think we're fools and think we're bigots and think we're all sorts of things because we're none of those things. We're people that love our neighbours and love our enemies and even those who think differently to us, we love them. We're told to stand and persevere in times of trial. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, Paul again says to Timothy, this young man, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your heroes. Much harder, Indy, much harder. I'm not, can I just say, that some of the shaking of it was very sort of, really, not, uh, yeah, that's good, brilliant. Um, watch your life and your doctrine closely, persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself 
and your hearers. Paul's writing to Timothy and he's saying, basically, there's lots of people that come into church life. They come into the church and sort of say, well, stop believing in this. Let's change it to that. Everyone else is doing this. Let's add this practice or take that practice away. And Paul says, no. You stick with what you believe. Stick with what's true, biblically. Eat very good, Jennifer. Um, Even if everyone else thinks it's rubbish. And we face days like that again, don't we? We're called not to hang on to our core beliefs um, just because it's traditional and that's just the sort of thing we've been doing for 2,000 years. No, because what's true and what we believe to be true and is true from God's word saves people's souls and changes their eternities. If we water down what we believe, no one is getting saved from their sin. So when the world says you, can no lo- you should no longer talk like that or believe that, you should no longer think those things, we say no, because these things that we persevere in save people's souls. It goes on, Matthew chapter 5, um, verse 48, Jesus, again, as in the Sermon on the Mount, ends chapter 5 with these wonderful words, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. We're called to persevere, not just in our doctrine, our beliefs, or during times of trial and persecution. We're called to persevere in personal holiness. You know, God expects us to be aiming for perfection. And Christians are very good at saying, oh, no, no, I'm saved by grace. And you are saved by grace. And I'm the worst of sinners, and I'm assured of my place in heaven. But in terms of my morality and my everyday decisions, I should be aiming for perfection, not to achieve salvation, but because I've been saved, to achieve um, honouring God in my life. We're to be holy and we're to persevere in personal holiness. And it's perhaps the most difficult area of perseverance because there's so much of what we do wrong is when no one's watching. And we say to ourselves, well, it doesn't matter. I can do it one more time, one more time, one more time. And we're told to really persevere in that. We're called to be Christ-like all the time. William Wilberforce, I believe it was, um, said that he was, concern- he was consumed with two things, the abolition of the slave trade and the reformation of manners. Which I think is the most wonderful phrase, wonderful quote of him. He wanted to do great things in the world, but he also wanted to be a great person to match his great work. We're taught to persevere in holiness. Really shake it. <laughs> um, we're also called to persevere in doing good as well. 2 Thessalonians, Paul again, chapter 3, verse 13 says, As for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing good. We, we've coined a phrase in the West, haven't we? Is it uh, compassion fatigue? Wow. I don't want to offend anybody. I find that a strange thing to, to, to suffer from, compassion fatigue. And there are people that have absolutely, no, I'm not painting myself as anything here at all, but people have absolutely nothing. And those of us that have so much can be fatigued by helping those who have so little. I don't know, that's a phrase that I don't like at all. But we're told to, to, to never tire of doing good. There's never a time when God's people cannot persist in doing good. There's never a time where it's okay for us to do bad and to react badly. It's never okay. It's always right to never tire of doing good. We're also called to persevere in prayer. Ephesians 6 verse 18 says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. We're to be people that never, ever, ever stop praying. One of my favorite stories about prayer in the New Testament is found in Luke chapter 18. I'll read it to you. It's eight verses. And I'll give you a chance to really shake the... Uh, is the jar being shaked? Shake, shaked? Shaken? Really? Uh, welcome to our church, by the way. If you could really shake it, I'd really appreciate it. Um, 
It should be changed. If it's not changing, then uh, that's good. Not very good. <laughs> I like you already. <laughs> um, chapter 18 of Luke, in the first eight verses, just reminds us of persistent prayer. Jesus says, says and Jesus told his disciples a par- parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so she won't eventually come and attack me. The Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That story is just all about, isn't it? That persistence in prayer, going again and again to God. God, this is what I need. Lord, please do this. Please do this. And in the coming days and months, Julian Gavin and us on their behalf will be like that persistent widow. Saying, Lord, please, please heal, please bless, please be near. We're told to persist in prayer. I hope some of you, if you're around, will come to our church prayer meeting between 7 and 8 and persist in prayer. I hope that you will take the challenge uh, to pray, not just for Judy and Gavin, but for other things in our church. But not just in our church, very good, Margaret. Uh, Not just in our church, um, but across our world. Think of the way our country's going. Think of the way the world is. Ask God to move. Pray for justice. Pray for uh, goodness to reign. Pray for God's church to stand up. We're called to persevere in hope as well. Hebrews 10 verse 23, uh, the writer says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. We've given this hope in Christ, and when things are awful, we're not called to hang on to our emotions, but to hang on to the hope, that concrete hope we have in Christ. A friend of mine has recently received bad news and I uh, had a chat with her on Friday on the phone and we were just talking about the future. And I said to her, I don't know what's going to happen, but the one thing you must do is look up to the hope that you have, the hope that is eternal, the hope that is bigger than your suffering. Because this suffering is here, but your hope is over all of it. And you've got to look up to that and hold on and persevere in your hope. And so why should we do all these things? Well, perhaps we've already answered it. But I reckon it's uh, time to see if we've got there. How's it going? Has anything happened? Oh, good. (laughs) Um, Yeah, maybe I'll come and get it. Can someone get me a jar? Is that all right? Oh, thanks, Jennifer. I hope we have it. Oh, good. I think we've done it. (laughs) So, after some good shaking and some not so good shaking, we have produced um, butter-ish. <laughs> some people let the side down there at the back, but we won't worry going into that. But, <laughs> sorry. But we have produced butter. Do you know what? Creativity, genius, education won't produce butter. Perseverance will. And it's the same in life, isn't it? That actually, when we stick out something, you actually run the risk of succeeding and getting to the very end. Why should we persevere? Because it's the only way of getting through the toughest of times. Romans chapter 8, 
uh, chapter 5, sorry, verses 3 to 8, Paul says this. He says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And because and perseverance um, produces character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will someone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We persevere because it produces hope. We persevere too because that's how Jesus behaved. Um, I love the bit where he's at the Mount of Transfiguration, you know, where he's covered in white and Jesus says, this is my son, listen to him. And then they have that vision of Moses and Elijah. And at the end of that story, we read that Jesus turns to Jerusalem resolutely. He turns to Jerusalem knowing he's going to be nailed to a cross, knowing he's going to be beaten, knowing he's going to be whipped, knowing he's going to be put to death even though he'd done nothing wrong, knowing that he would face his friends running away and leaving him alone, knowing all of that, he resolutely went to the cross. We stick at it because he stuck at it. He stuck at it for our salvation. We stick at it for the salvation of many, many people and the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Philippians chapter 2, we're told to have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. And one picture sums up Jesus' perseverance, and that is him in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was crucified, when he was under such pressure, such stress, that he sweated drops of blood for you and for me. And we are called sweat drops of blood for them, so that people will know the goodness of God. Why do we do all this? Because God rewards our perseverance. Colossians chapter 1 verse 21 to 23 says, Once you were alienated from God, you were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith. Established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, have become a servant. And how do we persevere? We listen to the words of Psalm 121, and we lift our eyes up to the mountains where our hope comes from. And this morning, many people are hanging on for their holidays. This morning, many people are hanging on for life just to get a bit better, clinging on for dear life, perhaps ready even to throw the towel in. But hear the word of the Lord. Press on. Do not give up. Do not be discouraged. Walk on. Walk forward. Not in your strength, but in the strength of Christ. Run the race with perseverance and do not stop until you see the gates of heaven. Life is a desert, I said to my friend on Sunday, um, Friday, as we spoke on the phone. I said, suffering is like walking through a desert. I said, you've got two choices. You can either walk through it on your own, in your strength, or you can follow the King of Kings, who knows the way through it. That is the choice we all face this morning.